Good morning. Good to have you guys. Happy New Year. I, uh, I have recently done, we got it for Christmas. My wife and I did. I've done this DNA sample. You've done that? You get this, I don't know, that was kind of weird, huh? Like, <laughs> where you take and you, we spit into this thing for a while and I had to get so much foam. It sounds really gross, but it was like a, it was a fun date night. And, uh, you know, we did this whole thing and then you send it in and you find out what you are, right? Some of you don't want to find out what you are, I suppose. Uh, and I suddenly discover that I um, am a little more uh, like Scottish. I think I look very Scottish, right? Uh, I don't know about that. Wales, England area. Some of our ancestors then came over uh, and settled in like, I don't know where it was, Kentucky, Missouri. There, there might be a lot of explanations there. My mom has sent me some pictures of some of our uh, uh, riffraff, right, in there. And it looks like, maybe like some of you, like, uh, uh, I sounded like I said you're from Missouri. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> if you're from that part of the country, all right. I saw recently a sign, I think it's in Newport at one of the restaurants, um, and it said, welcome all winos, dingbats, and riffraff. And I thought that might be a good church sign to have somewhere. <laughs> and then I started thinking about myself and history. So we did this DNA thing. It's really cool. And it's really been great for my wife, too, Heidi. Um, and um, just to kind of see some of the beginnings of where you're from. And Now, some of you know that. Some of you already know a lot more to your history, a lot more to, you know, uh, like what your, what your lineage is, and you got the crest above the mantle, I suppose, or whatever, you know, uh, you can think of. But um, it's, it's been really cool to kind of start looking at that a little bit. And, uh, and maybe you guys are interested in some of that. We're going to start the book of Matthew. Um, and we're going to spend quite a chunk of time going through the book of Matthew. And one of the things that Matthew is going to do for us, we're going to see today in the genealogy, is give us the story behind the story. He's going to show some of it even today we'll look at very briefly and just kind of scratch the surface, kind of all, almost the DNA of Jesus. Not just lineage, you know, and, and physical history, but we're going to see it at a, at a deeper level. And that's what we want to do throughout the book of Matthew. Um, I, I think it was an MTV show that their byline, I've used it before way in the past, um, it was a, it would be like kind of behind the scenes, some like thing like you think you know, but you have no idea, and then they give you the story. And you may remember some of us older folk, um, I'm 55, so 55 and above probably mainly, but some of, some of you younger ones may remember a guy named Paul Harvey. Do you remember Paul Harvey? From uh, 52 to 2008. He would reach over 20-plus million people a week um, on his radio show uh, during that time period. And he had a show. Well, he did, I think, a lot of shows, but part of his show um, was that the rest of the story. Do you remember that? And they're actually really cool. Um, if, you've not, you, you know, uh, if you're not familiar with it, you can look it up. But he did like these, maybe like, he wouldn't reveal who the person was. This is a lot of the cases. He wouldn't reveal who the person was till the very end. 
and he would tell like maybe certain facts or figures or different things about this story, and you'd go through it, you'd go through it, you'd go through it, and then he'd reveal at the end the, the name of the person, and it would usually be somebody that was famous or that you, you, you know, you, uh, you knew, and then he would use that little line, and now you know the rest of the story. Ah, it's really cool. And there's lots of shows out there. I'm sure a lot of you um, are intrigued, like me, by those shows out there, always been popular, where you find out something about somebody, sometimes famous, you know, movie, um, history, whatever, um, and all of a sudden you hear another layer to their story or something you didn't know. Um, maybe you like movies like that. So I listened uh, in my studies, I listened to one preacher talk about the genealogy and um, it was awesome because he used, he was a Star Wars nerd, obviously. Like, he went to a level that I have no idea. You got to a place where you're like, I, you lost me, right? At, at uh, whatever, you know, I, I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Intrigued me so much that you want to go back and watch all the movies and read some weird books that he mentioned and all this stuff. Because he told a layer to a story that had all these connections and stuff like that. And I wonder, think for a minute, what is a favorite like, like now or throughout your life, looking back, do you have a favorite, like, series, book, movie? What are you binge watching right now? Do you ever get to a place, like, you get wrapped up in some Netflix uh, show, and you like, I don't even like this show anymore. But I got to find out what happens. So I'm going to spend the next 32 hours watching <laughs> so that I get to the end of the show, and you go... And that was dumb. But you spent, you know, 50 hours watching this thing because you had to know the story and how it came together and the links and connections. You guys got any shows, books that you like like that? Well, this isn't super Dave. That's going way back. and I don't know how that fits in there, but okay. <laughs> Think in your mind now what that, okay. But what, what is it for you? One of the things that Matthew wants to do for us in this, this, you know, one of four Gospels is he wants to give us the behind the scenes of Jesus. Here's what I don't want us to do over the coming weeks, weeks really, maybe even months. I don't want us to go, oh, I know the story. Yeah, I know that. The birth of Jesus. Yep, healed some people. I want us to look a little deeper to see what, what is going on here? Maybe there's some interesting facts that we'll be able to bring up as we teach through it. Maybe there's some other things concerning Jewish culture that's going to reveal some depth that you didn't know. But I really, even for you, um, not just on a surface level, but look a little deeper to what God wants to do in and through your life. So a lot of what I want you to do is look at it a little deeper, but then ask yourself, where does this apply to me? How, how does this fit into me? Because I'll say this again in a little bit, Jesus' story is your story. Jesus' story is your story. We are part of this. We are looking for ways to bridge this 2,000-year-plus gap to read it and go, that wasn't just then, it's also for me now. These aren't just stories we read. They are stories we read. But there's a depth to them. When, when I prayed earlier, 
Hey, God, your word is alive and active. It says it cuts to the bone, the marrow, deep. May it do that in us. In fact, in just a moment, I want to pray again and ask that, that to happen to us. When we meet, um, and sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes we just get together and we're tired and pray for one another. But when I meet with the men's group, um, in particular right now on Thursday mornings, there is something there like that where we're not trying to do a Bible study. We're trying to go, hey, how does God's word need to apply to my life? It's, it's been tough for us at times to get there, but don't think of it as a thing over there. Put yourself into it and ask, how does this work for me? Where does this need to apply to my life? What does God want to do in me, through me, for me? Where do I need to be challenged? So we're going to look at the book of Matthew deeper. So that's the goal. But we want to look at our lives deeper as well, all right? Because I don't want you to say again, oh, I know that story. I know that story. Matthew will become boring to you because a lot of you that are followers of Christ, you know the story. So we're not going to tell you a new story. But the thing is, God, where do you want to transform my life within the story? And we'll, we'll come back to that in just a little bit. Um, Matthew is written to a Jewish audience, so we're going to have to at times also understand some Jewish culture and perspective as well, all right? And so when he writes to this community of people, right, um, Matthew is writing knowing that they understand a lot of what he's saying. And we'll pull out a few things. You may want to dig a little deeper. Um, but Matthew knows that when he writes, people are going to get these aha moments or have these things that are going to be like blowing them away. Like, what? If, if, you're, if you are a Star Wars person, you know, it's like, Luke. That's your father, what? No way, no. You know what, but you didn't get it until later and you're just, it's all coming together and you're blown away. There's moments like that in the scriptures in Matthew that's like that for the Jewish audience. They're like, what? Can you believe that's in there? And that's just in the genealogy. And we're gonna read the genealogy today too, okay? Out loud so I can hear you say their names right. <laughs> we're not gonna do it. I'll probably mispronounce some. Let me pray one more time, right? Lord, this, this chunk of scripture today, but these stories and all of this, there's so much to it that we don't understand. And Lord, many of us at the same time know the story, but we want to know you. So in here, there's some people that have followed you for years. May they get a new revelation of who you are, not apart from your word, but God connected to your word and you. And God, also for those that are struggling with you, may they find you in it. And then those that maybe are here and don't know you, may they discover or at least take a little step towards you. That's what I pray, Lord, that your word will become living and active in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew writes, and it's not a letter to a church. So it's not like some scriptures, sometimes we're going to get something that's a letter directly to us. Right? Also understand in Matthew... That, so this is kind of some background stuff. Even today is kind of like that. So bear with me a little bit. 
um, and then just glean what you can out of it. But I want you to understand that it's not a complete history. A lot of times, some of the controversy that will come up with Scripture is someone trying to say, well, that doesn't line up with this, and that doesn't line up with that, and why did they write that, and them not that, and all that, because the writers weren't always doing that either. Their intent wasn't, we're going to present a perfect, complete, chronological history. They're presenting Jesus, all right? That's their goal. They're not a, it's not a secret. Their goal is Jesus, and some of them are going to write from a historical, maybe theological, whatever perspective, and then different perspectives. But the goal isn't like, we better nail this down perfectly and in order. We better all line up. That, I, li I actually like that because it shows the beauty of Scripture, and the intent is to know Jesus, not just words on a page or history. All good, but... There's a depth to it and a level there. So this is not a complete history. It is also theological and literary. It's all this great stuff together. A lot of times we forget that when we read the Bible, that there's poetry in there, that there's a depth to that. There's prophecy. There's different things that they would have understood at the time, and we need to today on how these things were written. They were writers inspired by the Holy Spirit, but still writers and human beings. And they had a purpose and a plan. Matthew, one of his big things is that he is, to, he is writing, along with the gospel writers, an account of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So Matthew has a goal. I want to tell you about Jesus. And I want to tell you about him in such a way that you believe, like all the gospel writers do. I'm not just trying to tell you some account, some history. There's beauty to it, depth to it, poetry to it, prophecy to it. And I want you to know the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So Matthew's going to start off. I'll have some notes up here for you today that you can fill in the blank, uh, maybe write some extra stuff on there. But the first thing that I want to talk about just for a minute, and again, this is surface-level stuff. You'll have to dig a little deeper, and we will over the coming weeks. But number one, Matthew proclaims who Jesus is. So one of the first things that he's going to do is he's going to proclaim who Jesus is, and he's going to make a statement in verse 1. So go to Matthew 1, 1, all right? If, let me give you a little while you're going there, Matthew 1, 1, if you don't have uh, something called version, for example, you may have another Bible app, I encourage you to download a Bible app for your phone. A lot of you are going to use your phone. I encourage hard, you know, soft back, whatever, paper Bibles that you can write in, underline, highlight, circle. It's legal to do. You can do that. It's all right. God won't get mad at you. Man, you can, you know, do all that and I encourage you to do it. If you prefer a phone, an iPad, or bring your laptop, or you know, if you're going to lug in a screen and a whatever, do it. Whatever you do, get your Bible out and take some notes and work through it. And, and, uh, and, and so Matthew 1.1, he's going to proclaim right out of the gate who Jesus is through a statement that the audience is going to connect to and that we just want to highlight real quickly and be reminded of. Now, let me also say this. We looked at the story of God, and the story of God is very important to know. So one of the things that we'll constantly come back to is the story of God as seen through Scripture. These people would have known that, been bombarded with it, would have been, gone to school and learned it. They know the story of God up to this point, right? We, we would say the Old Testament. So when they read these things, there is an understanding of the story of God. That's why it's important for us to know it 2,000 years later today as well, all right? To know the whole story, especially from the 30,000-foot level like we did before and we will constantly come back to. So we are going to come back to some of those principles again and again. Matthew 1, 1. This is a record. So Matthew writes, this is a record. I'm going to write this down. I want you to know this. It's a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, 
or one word you'll see maybe in your translations is Christ. He is a descendant or son of two things, David and Abraham. A big, powerful statement right off the gate. Right out of the gate, um, he makes this grand statement to say Jesus is. Now let me give you four things real quickly that Matthew's proclaiming. One, he is proclaiming that Jesus is the king. All right, so when he writes this, we're not going to get into the depth of that. We're going to see it come out, all these things, over the coming weeks, through the stories, through the poetry, through this, the beauty of Scripture. We're going to see these things come out. We'll talk about them more. So number one, Matthew, right out of the gate, says, Jesus, you know that king you wanted? The king that's not going to give you? And this was a struggle for the people because the king they wanted was a king that would give them back their land, their possessions, their stuff, put them back in charge. The king that is proclaimed and spoken of would come and transform lives. We can often miss that because we look for a king that's going to get us back our stuff, our place, our land. We can really get that, I, I think, sometimes even in the U.S., right? That these leaders, political leaders, are going to save us. True. I don't care who's in, right? It doesn't matter what branch you're a part of, who you are, there are great people that we should pray for. Great, probably some of you will debate with me on, but they're people, but they are not our king. We proclaim as followers of Christ, this is so important to remember, because if you're here and you want a different king, it's going to mess you up. If you think Jesus came to get you your stuff back and your perfect life, I don't know what you think the perfect life is. But if you, to get that back, it's going gonna, it's gonna to jack with you so bad. The king was to be king of our hearts and transform our lives. That is the king that is proclaimed. The king would come and restore, man, who they were meant to be. This king that they would prayed for and longed for. The bummer is when the king came, we'll see it, they missed the king because they were looking for the wrong king. I don't think that's changed over 2,000 years. I get mad at leadership because they don't give me what I want. I get mad at God because he doesn't give me what I want. We talked about this these past weeks because he wants to give me what I need. Now that's a king. And Israel struggled with that. We struggle with it today. Jesus is the king and then Matthew is going to proclaim through the whole gospel, and I encourage you to read it. I told you about a Bible you can download. You can go to a place called, uh, I gleaned some stuff from here as well, called the Bible Project. And it is, they do videos of the books of the Bible. Awesome. They'll do one two-parter on Matthew, and I'm stealing a ton of stuff from it, right? Um, it's awesome. It's called the Bible Project. I think it's bibleproject.com org or com or whatever. Go and watch that. I'll, I'll link it um, around whatever. But he's going to present Jesus as a king and here's his kingdom. This is what it looks like to, and how to be followers of the king. This is what it's going to look at. When we go to the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see that even more. Here's how to live as the king's kids. And it, it's going to be awesome. Okay, Jesus, Matthew proclaims Jesus is the king, and he proclaims that he's the savior. So by his name alone, we learned at Christmas, we'll come back to it next week, talk about it a little more, and we're going to see throughout the gospel that Jesus is the king. Yes, Matthew proclaims, but in this first verse, he says he's Jesus. Jesus is the savior. Jesus means the one who saves, right? 
So Matthew is proclaiming right out of the gate, your Savior that you want, this King that's going to be something even more, that will save you, transform your life, Jesus is it. So Matthew proclaims in verse 1, hey, we're going to work through it, but Jesus is the Savior who will save people from their sins. We'll see that again next week. We talked about it at Christmas. He will save people from their sins. I believe, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that I need saving from my sin. My sin separates me from God. Something had to be done, and I believe that I am not capable of doing it myself. I've tried. It didn't work. They learned for thousands of years that animals don't work. Giving up stuff doesn't work. You give him your life, and he will save you from your sins. At the end of the service today, we take communion every week. If you're new, we take communion every week because we want to remember, I need a Savior. His name is Jesus. He saved me from my sins by his death, right? And that's what we remember with the juice. We remember it's symbolic of his blood, the bread, his body. That sacrifice saved me. He died, but he rose from the grave. We remember all of that in communion and gathering together because he is Jesus. He is the one my Savior, who saves me from my sin, and I need it. And Matthew is going to work that through with us. We see in that first statement as well that he was Jesus, the Messiah, or the Christ, and that is the anointed one. He is the promised anointed one. And Matthew's going to proclaim, and he does right in verse 1, that Jesus is King, Savior, Messiah. You know the one that you've been reading the prophecies about? You know the one that's anointed, that's spoken of, that's going to come and restore rejoicing, that's going to come and change lives? This Christ, that's not his, I mean, I've heard so many pastors say it's not his last name, all right? It's a statement of who he is, it's identity. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, promised one that would come and free us from sin, the tyranny of the enemy. And, and, uh, and Matthew proclaims that. And then he proclaims this one big thing that was very powerful for the readers and listeners back then, that he's the son. All right? So Matthew comes and says, he is the son of David and Abraham. Real quickly, there's so much history and story there. The, the people would have read that, and they would have went, what? Abraham, the father? And they have their whole history just explodes before him. This is the one, you're telling me he's the son of Abraham? This is the one spoken of that will bring blessing? That will have the, the rescue plan? This is the one spoken of in Genesis 12? That we've been waiting for for hundreds and thousands of years? And Matthew's proclaiming, yes, he's the son of Abraham. See, I've, I've just laid out for you the lineage of who he is. This is him. And now you got to believe or not, right? This little baby that's going to be born? What? So he says he's the son. This is where we're connected to covenant. We talked about this weeks ago. And inheritance and promise and purpose and identity. So even like you, has anyone done their DNA in here? You spit in a cup too? Take it in? All right? It's cool. I know Drew and I have been looking at some stuff that's probably connected to that. Uh, Man, did you, did you like find out anything like I'm related to some famous person or whatever and now you want to call him and say, hey, it's your cousin. I know it's like 12th cousin, but it's me. Well, I want, I want a little something, okay, since we're on the phone. 
show up at the door, hey, right, some movie star or whatever. Or did you go the other way? Like, seriously? Oh, man. Horse thieves, what? Come on. I was, what? I'm just, I'm stopping right there, man. That family tree part, I'm cutting off and throwing away. I don't know who I'm related to, you know. Did you, these, these folks would have read that and went, you are proclaiming that he is the promised one, the son of Abraham. That is a big statement, and that was very important to them. And then he also says that he's the son of David. Now, this is big deal, too. This is the one that provides identity. And one, one uh, commentator said, I liked it, David, it, when, he, when he said he's the son of David, this had a lot more depth to it. We'll mention a couple things in a little bit. But it was identity. He is the royal successor, because that was important that you follow the line of David, and rightful heir. So a proclamation by Matthew in verse 1. This is only verse 1 of the genealogy. is like, you want to know who I'm going to talk about? This is him, right? He is the king. He is like the Messiah. He is the savior. He's Jesus. He's the one you've been longing for, promised about. Oh, yeah, and he's like son of Abraham and son of David. So there you go. Plop, do something with that, you know? That's about how it is. Wow, and can I, let me, let me even... The, the beauty of this, like one of the things, I was joking about it earlier. This wasn't all in my notes, but like it, I don't know if you feel like this. I do sometimes, and I bet some of you do even more than I could ever imagine. Like I'm the one that, that knocks on the door of Jesus and says, your, your son's here. And I'm the, I'm the horse thief. I'm it. And Jesus doesn't go, oh, I was only looking for like the high ups, man, the movie stars and the sports star, right? We're going to come to this in a little bit, but one of the things that this shows me today, 2,000 years later, is I'm part of something bigger. My lineage, my identity, the fact that Jesus accepts me and what welcomes me to the family? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Verse 1. <laughs> God, it's so awesome. It is just so awesome. Matthew's going to give us layers. You know that Shrek the donkey? I always, every time I say layers, I think, of, you know that movie? All right, good, right? Isn't the donkey have layers? Yeah, I got layers and Shrek uses that or something like that. All right, sorry. <laughs> Matthew goes back. I haven't even gotten into this. But Matthew goes back, and one of the translations in that first verse is this is the genesis of. And so one of the things they think is like Matthew's presenting something like this is the real, the redo, the regenesis. This is, the, this is who Jesus is. And Jesus is what I've planned all along. It's, it's, it's just awesome. So he goes back to the beginning of the story when he gives the, the lineage here, the genealogy. Um, and he knows that people are going to know these stories by these names. All right? So this is where you're going to want to probably go back and do a little more study if you're so inclined. Um, and, uh, and maybe research for yourself a little bit. One, to see if what I'm saying is true. And two, uh, just for your own benefit, and some of you may love this kind of stuff. 
I just got a new commentary on Saturday, and I was so bummed. I started reading it, and it is awesome. I've never heard of this guy before, and it's like this thick. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, I got to stop reading this because I can't use it on Sunday. And it was just, but it was just so awesome. So I'm looking forward to this very thing. Each one of these names for the people would open up a layer to God that would just expose them to something that they'd kind of heard about. And they would probably sit there and go, can you believe they put that? Why is he, she in here? It's awesome. <laughs> All right. Matthew 1, 2 through 17. Here we go, okay? We're going to read uh, this. I'm going to give you some thoughts with it, try to go a little quicker, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get to this place where we'll give you a couple thoughts for today that you can go out and try to practice, live out, whatever you've got to do with it, all right? And then hopefully give it to someone else, okay? Matthew 1, 2, just read verse 1. Here starts the lineage. It's broken up into sections, too. One guy described it like an, an N, the rise up in who the people were, like God doing great things, great stuff. Then the downfall, right, captivity and all that, and then the rise back up all the way to Jesus. We're going to see that. So we kind of made it like an N. I thought that was really interesting. Abraham, he starts off from the beginning. Here's where they would have heard. Remember, this is not complete. There's some literature behind it, some reasoning behind it. We'll mention a couple things in a little bit, and he kicks off. Um, verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac. You would have been reading this and went, yeah, I know these people. I repeat those names all the time. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And there it goes, man, just stories unfolding, on un un layers coming out. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Very important. Women are mentioned in here. Big deal. Not a good idea if you want to stick to the fathers and the dads and all this stuff and the culture of that time. This is a big deal. But we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. I like saying Salmon. It's Salmon probably. But then I think of food. Then I go, you know, squirrels happen and all that stuff, all right? I don't know. Do you read names like this? And all of a sudden you're like, that's a, like you're stuck on one name. And it's like, that's not a good name for a child. What? And you're just going all over the place, all right? And I'm thinking of Salmon and barbecue now and all that stuff, okay? This is what this does to me, okay? <laughs> oh, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, all right? Big deal. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, right? Obed was the father of Jesse, Okay, this was a big deal now coming to this place. Jesse was the father of King David. That's great. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. And that story right there alone would have just jacked everybody up. Like, what? Like, I could see, like, some of the, especially, like, the rabbinic leaders sitting there reading this going, that's heresy. Why would you mention her in the Bible? You know, all this stuff and the story behind it is just incredible because it is not a pretty story. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Now we're getting kings and prophets, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin, and his brothers, 
born at the time of the exile to Babylon. There's that downward spiral that happened in these sections. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Sheatil. Sheatil was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph. Now, I want you to remember this right here because all so far we have seen what? The father of, the father of, the father of. Very important until this. And broken down in certain sections. Jacob was the father of Joseph. And what does it say? The husband of Mary. What? That's not right. There's a missing father. Hmm. The husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to who? Jesus, who is called, and we learn that he said it in verse 1, the Messiah. This is the one, he says, that you've been longing for, waiting for. And all those listed above include, we'll mention this, you're going to have to dig a little deeper on your own, 14 generations. Okay? So three sections of 14, Abraham to David, 14 David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Okay? They were big into numbers and doing different things with that, and it would have kind of created a whole, you know, world layer that opened up for them. All right, the list of names. And if you're new, welcome, all right, to a new series. What would you learn on Sunday? I don't know. The guy read a bunch of names, and we went home. Okay? <laughs> Juice crackers. Sounds like a kid's class, huh? Juice and crackers, and we went home, and he read some names. I don't know what he did. All right? But there's layers to this. Let me give you a few thoughts with this, all right, that Matthew is, is doing in here, and, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with some prayer. Okay, so let me go back now. One of the things that he did is he proclaimed who Jesus was, right? Jesus is. So the other thing he does is he declares the promises and plans of God through this. Now, we've talked about this many times. There's obviously a lot of things behind this. But one of the things that you read in the names when you read that, if you were in that audience, and we need to know this today, we're just not going to get into it all today. It's going to come out in the gospel, is one of the things that happens when you read those lists of names, they aren't just names. They are often connected with promises and plans of God. Okay? So when you read a name, you remember a promise. You see the big picture of a plan, right? So it's when you find your DNA and you start looking at your family tree, you begin to see sometimes a plan in history. Like, I want to know how the two sides of my family got to where we are. So think about it. I grew up in Long Beach, California. I know. I look like it, huh? All right? Long Beach, like many of you, Except you pure Oregonians that don't like us. <laughs> I came from California. All right? Deal with it. Okay? <laughs> I know in history you blew up the sign, whatever you did to the Oregon sign. But I'm here. And I'm staying. Okay? So I came from California. But when you start knowing the history, right? Hey, how did we get to Long Beach? Hey, how did we get there? What? My wife and I went to Missouri one time and saw some friends in St. Louis, and we took this drive way out in the backwoods, and I have pictures. I jumped the fence, went into the house illegally, but that's what I do. You know, and you, I went into the house. This is where some of my relatives were. 
way in this field in Missouri. I went down. We found this, you know, gravestones of some of our family and stuff like that. It was just crazy. And that's just barely scratching the surface of just, you know, in the past hundred years. Wow, when you start discovering a lot, a lot more about your life and your DNA and your, your history, you discover stories, things like you realize, what? How did we get here? What did they do? You discover sometimes how your family members, people had a bigger faith and a greater vision. They suffered to get to the place where you are today. Some of you have negative things too that I know are part of your history that's sad, need redemption and we pray for. But wow, it starts piecing together who we are based upon the promises that we've heard about, plans that were coming out. Somewhere in there, a long time ago, some of my family going way back said, we're not staying in this country anymore. Come on, family, we're getting on a boat. A boat, how long is it going to take? I don't know, three months. What? I don't, it, I'm, I just made that up, but I don't, like what? When we read these names, when they did then, they flooded the plans, the promises of God. I remember that, that name. Oh, wow. Abraham, that name alone, Amazing. So what, what Matthew is doing, what we have today, is we read this genealogy and we start looking at our own lives, even the history of journey. Seven years in, how'd you get here? My story of getting here is not real clean. Not all easy. Most don't know it. I just saw a friend that I haven't seen in a gazillion years we have history that goes way back in a denomination at a camp and this and that, and it just floods back all these experiences with God, what God said, what God did, where I felt abandoned and alone, where I felt most comforted, all this stuff, friends, family, it just floods in, and that's just a name. What? Where have you been? What are you doing? What's going on? This is happening. To the reader, this was like a roll call that echoed the promises of God. Just amazing. Each name comes with blessing, with promise, with faith, with hope. Matthew also does this then. He reminds us of the low and high points of life in that history. So what he does is he connects people to the purposes of God. So one of the things that he does is he reminds us of these plans, these promises of God. But now, take it down a little layer more. He's connecting those people to these things. All right? So now they're connected in such a way that it doesn't become a story somewhere else about someone else, about some other place. It's their story as well. I like that. I believe that the Bible, we can connect to it. doesn't matter that it's 2,000 years plus old, right, or less or more, right? We connect to the Word of God today. Let me give you, just scratch the surface just for a second. You're going to have to dig a little deeper. I gleaned some of these that I want to dig a little deeper, but I want to throw them out there as some thoughts. One, that 14 generations thing. There's way more than I can really articulate today. Um, so let me just kind of scratch the surface there. Why do we see these three sets of 14 generations? Numbers mattered to the Jewish people then. This was very important. We can get a little too much in numerology and all this stuff. I'm not trying to go there. But it was still written in such a way where certain names and numbers were omitted for a purpose and a reason. Not to deceive. It's not a problem. But they're there to really push home a point. So numbers became very important. That number 14 is connected to David. David's numerical value 
um, when you read out his name, because they only use consonants, they leave out the vowels, right? It revealed David's name in each thing. So this, this, when they hear these numbers like 14, it connects all this to say it connects to David even more. Like they're hearing those numbers and they're connected. And so sometimes this stuff's written and it connects you to something else, right? Uh, one pastor used, because it's, it's a playoff day. Is your team playing? Does your team already lose? Do you not really care? Okay, good. But he, I thought the illustration was good. He, he used the, the number of a football player. I would probably do it more with NBA basketball for your team. Number on your team, number 15. And you probably know who it is if you're a fan, right? Number 12 is playing today. Some of you know because you hate him, all right? Because he's ruined your team forever. Whatever, it connects, right? You know, your kid's number in sports, you know, the number of this, the number of that. It connects you all of a sudden. A number can do that. Leaving out generations. So the 14 thing didn't always work perfectly. There was a purpose behind it. Leaving out generations was to create some symbolic numbers and genealogies. It was a very common practice. It, was, it goes all the way back to other genealogies in the Bible. They would do this. They were a way of making theological claims. And Matthew's readers would have understood exactly what he was doing and why. Now, you can look at it a little deeper. I'm not trying to, like, even present something and this is the way it is and believe it and move on. Go a little deeper if you want. But they would have connected with this through the numbers, this 14 numbers. And they would have, like, went, oh, yep, ah, that makes sense. I get that. I'm connected to that now for various reasons. Two, not only numbers, but names. This was very interesting to me that uh, in here, I want you to study this out, but I want to present it to you uh, as kind of a thought. Matthew is going to adjust a few letters in some of the names for, for, this, for the same purpose, like the, the, uh, like the numbers, the 14. He changed two names when you look at it in there. Asa and Amon to Asaph, which was a famous poet, writer in the Psalms, and then Amos, which was a famous prophet. So we read those names in there. Did you see that? Now, you're going to look at different translations and, and, and all this. But one of the things that Matthew does is this is not a problem again. Some people go, look, he changed a couple names. No, he had a purpose and a point to it. And here's what was presented to me. I thought this was great to consider. Matthew knows that his readers would spot these out-of-place names. Jesus not only fulfilled, Matthew presents, Israel's hopes, humanity's hopes, but also the hope of the Psalms, Asaph and the prophets, Amos. So they read this, they see these names, and they go, in that genealogy is Asaph and Amos, uh, psalmist and, and prophet, and instantly they're connected back and go, what? The numbers? That points to David? What? This is the king that also comes that the prophets have spoken of and the psalmists have written of songs about and poetry of this is him they read those names and they connect instantly to that i think we do that at times various ways anyways okay names now two real quick ones all right and this one's a biggie too in daniel chapter 9 verses 24 through 25 to these two verses he's going to connect them to a prophetic picture of what was going on real quickly Daniel 9, 24 and 25, this time has come because Daniel is given a prophetic vision and it says a period of 70 sets of seven 
490 years has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now, listen, understand, seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of, of this will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, Jesus, Matthew presents, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets, strong defenses, despite the perilous times. What Matthew is presenting by these generations, by these this number, from a prophetic picture of Daniel is that time has come. It was that amount of time from that prophecy to the time of Jesus, all right? And the people, the readers would have heard that and went, hey, you know what? This is spoken of. This is, this, these 14s, David, right? These names, this is the one spoken of in the Psalms and the prophets. <gasps> what? We've been praying for that prophecy to come about for hundreds of years. And Matthew is proclaiming that that prophecy has come true and Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. This is not only the only time. This happens over and over again in Scripture. So what happens is people sit here and they start pulling this all together and they're not just like hearing about some story. They're connected to that story. They're connected to that story. And, uh, and then Matthew does that. Okay, one more thing. Okay, then I'll just give you a couple thoughts to take home today. Uh, I loved, I already highlighted this. The last, uh, second to last verse, verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. All right, so if you saw in that, in that genealogy, what did it say? The father of, the father of, the father of, the father of, till the very end. All these fathers, and there's one missing father at the end. One of the things that Matthew is going to proclaim is, Oh, let me, starting next week with verse 18 and the rest of the book of Matthew, let me tell you who the father of Jesus is. Why would he omit that? Because Jesus has a different father. And he will start off next week, we looked at it at Christmas, and he'll say, uh, he'll, he'll give the story. The husband of Mary not the father of Jesus, because there's a different father. That is a grand big statement that we can miss very easily. Matthew is not saying that Jesus is just some dude that popped into earth. <laughs> He's not just a prophetic picture of the baby that was declared born. He's saying that this is a virgin birth. His father is God, and he is the one that has been spoken of. Can you believe if you were sitting there at that time and you'd just be sitting there, maybe your friends and people knew, like I said, some rabbis might have been ticked off and just going, what? What is going on here? What? Why would they put that name in there? Why is she in there? Why is he in there? What? Wait a minute. Where's the, the, the last father? You are actually declaring, Matthew, that God is the, that would tick them off. And he hasn't even been born yet. <laughs> I love it. All right, you and me couple quick thoughts. One, all right, Jesus uses all people and all things. This is what the genealogy, one of the things that it shows us. Jesus uses 
all people and all things. He is available to all people. This line includes some shady stories and shady characters. All kinds of people are welcome in the kingdom of God. If you were here today and you think you've gone too far, done too much, and God would never want me, then you didn't just read the genealogy. That thing is filled with some shady folks. And, no offense, ladies, but women, okay? <laughs> and I mean that as the beauty of who God is. This is not a typical thing. There are these women in there, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. All four are either non-Israelites or disconnected in some way to non-Israelite families. In addition, these women are all also sex scandals. Matthew could have highlighted some other great women, even, that would have brought up really great stories. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, but he mentions Canaanites, Moabites, prostitutes, who would be associated with the failure of Israel, their sin and covenant. That's important. Everybody's welcome. Now, whether you accept it or not, that's your choice. But God has picked you, wants you, is on your side. And Matthew will not hide that. I love that. I love that. And if you're sitting there at this time, and if you sit here today, one of the things that they would have been poking each other and probably upset about some of them, and others would have been relieved, like what if there is hope for them, and they can be included, and maybe I can. And some would have went, I can't believe that he wrote women in the lineage. Why would he mention those women? Because one of the things that God wants to know is that you're loved, accepted by him, and that sin does not have to dictate your life. And God redeems, frees, heals the brokenhearted. Matthew does not hide these things. Nothing can stand in the way of God. Nothing can stop God. God uses the marginalized, morally indiscreet, broken, rejected, men, women, ethnic, and economic barriers don't stop him, and he's all going to do it to expand his kingdom. And Matthew is telling us that in a genealogy. I love the, the little, like, whatever you call it, like moniker, little statement, little saying that a lot of churches have adopted around the country. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. Whatever your faith background, spiritual tradition, belief system, ethnicity or culture, marital status, you're welcome here. We may not believe the same, and I'm going to call you to something greater based upon Jesus Christ, but listen, you're welcome. And a world needs to know that. Jesus lived that. Nobody's perfect. Jesus is the center of all we do. We are a community where it's okay to not be okay. And we believe that Jesus can transform and heal and help your life. He offers hope and he did it then and he still does it today. And anything is possible. We believe in the miracle of changed life, that God is real, that he is active, that there is no problem that he cannot handle. And he shows us that in the genealogy. Jesus uses all people, all things to expand his kingdom and he can use you. That is the message of the genealogy. That is how he kicks off the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to read the scripture, Ephesians, but Ephesians 2, 4, 10, read it. It's awesome. Last thing, worship team, come. We're going to sing, take communion. I'm going to pray before you go. Jesus invites you to be a part of his story. This is what he did as he traveled. 
So Jesus now is inviting us to be a part of his story. All right, Matthew 4, it is the scripture that I use when journey started. It actually been talked about many times before when I'd go to Israel and different things that I would do. It says that Jesus traveled throughout Judea, Galilee, all the areas, and he preached, he healed, he taught, and he experienced life with people, and he's constantly inviting them in to be a part of his story, all right? Constantly doing this. We're going to see this through the Gospels. We're going to see that Jesus uses all people and all things and he invites us to be a part of his story. He is inviting you to be a part of his story. Now, here's something to remember, though. This really challenged me this week. i got to think this through even more um, and how I want to continue to articulate it. But you are a part of God's story. God is not inviting himself to be a part of yours. So listen, this is, what, this is where I'm challenged this week for me. I am invited to enter into God's story and be a character in his story, to put it that way. I am not inviting Jesus into my story to be one of those characters. I am following Jesus. Jesus is not following me. And I think that's sometimes where we miss it. Like, hey, Jesus, like even the way we do prayer and stuff like that sometimes, come into my life so that I can keep doing whatever I want to do and you just join me in what I'm doing. <laughs> when God is really saying, no, you're entering into my story. Remember, I'm connecting you to it through that genealogy, connecting, connecting, connecting. I, listen, I use all people and all things so I can redeem your life, you personally, and your past. I could change all that and transform it. So you come be a part. This is my story. That, those generations, my story. God says, come, be a part. Be a part of it. I'm a welcome, welcome, welcome. I showed you that all those winos, riffraff, right, are welcome. I'm not going to let you stay there because you're a part of my story now. I change things. But, but, but you're invited to be a part of it. John 1, 10 through 13, he came into the very world he created, Jesus, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But, listen to this, this is so awesome, and then Matthew is going to talk about this for the coming weeks. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Hey Jesus, your son's here, one of the bad ones. And he just, come on in man. Ron, welcome. You're part of the family. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Amen. Stand with me, will you? One of the things that we do with this today is now we go out and tell. So you're here today. Man, become a part of his story. We've gotten some stuff from there. We learned a little bit more about Matthew. Go study that out. But would you please, would, would we be a community of people that tell our community that when Jesus uses all people and all things, and he invites you to be a part of his story, however that plays out in your life. And that's available for you too. So Father, right now we remember what you've done for us through the, the death, burial, and resurrection of you, Jesus. 
we take a little cup of juice, we drink it to say thank you for, for your sacrifice, for our sin, for you are the King, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. You are the Son of Abraham, the Son of David. You are the King. And we thank you that the King sacrificed his life for his people, then and now. And we remember that he gave. He wasn't selfish, but he gave every bit. And so we remember by eating that piece of bread that you gave. And we give ourselves to you as we are, knowing that you use us, that you can use all things. You can redeem our past and change us. And we thank you for that. That's what the death, man, that's what your sacrifice did for us. But you didn't stay there. We also recognize that you rose from the grave and we can have a transformed life because of you. So thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.